Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, you know, we're we're starting a little late. Um, you know, you 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 might not be able to tell that at home, but wow, we're starting late. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the way they can tell is that I'm fully awake now. <laughs> that must be it. Aaron's gone from from happy to annoyed. <laughs> it's like you know, the alcohol's starting to wear off in the coffee. This is bull crap. Yeah, I had to what work a doing? full five days this week, and I don't get a three day weekend. What the fuck, Aaron? Aaron, I just want to clarify: it was a four day work week. We were off Monday. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Boy, it felt like- <laughs> that was hell. That was hell, Paul. <laughs> It really was. This was it a was shit hell. Week. Four days in a row. I mean, I kept like in a row. <laughs> I should take Friday off. It's <laughs> uh, not right. No, no. Well, I was in I was in all the cool places this week, Paul. I was in Midland. I was in Lubbock. I was in points in between. <laughs> you know, it is uh, points in between. Is that like points in between Lubbock? And Midland or points uh-huh, yeah. in between like an actual thing? <laughs> no, 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 no. Points in between Lubbock and Midland. Which oh, let me okay. tell you, there is nothing between Lubbock and Midland. <laughs> I was wondering, because there actually is a town here in Missouri, not too far from me, called Nowhere. Yeah. I, got, I gotta be honest, I, for those of you that don't know at home, Aaron's part of the Ringling Barnum and Bailey Circus. And, uh, <laughs> and he's gonna be out of oh, a job ramp, come ramp, May. Yeah, they're ramping up. You know, right. gotta hit all the towns one last time. That's one last time. Yep. One last time. But, you know, I, I, I suspect that the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus is going to be like a waterbed store. I bet they go out of business for years. <laughs> you know, they're, they're still going out of business. <laughs> they're going to have a reunion tour. <laughs> like Kiss. Yeah, like Kiss. Like Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul. Yes, sir. Very much like Kiss. Um, you know, because there's makeup, I guess. I, I couldn't figure out how to make that transition. Uh <laughs> Uh, we, uh, you and I both watched the exorcist season finale. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, the exorcist series started out super strong and, you know, you and I both talked about that on the podcast and shared a whole bunch of love on it. I'm curious. What'd you think of the ending? I loved it. Yeah. I thought they stuck the landing on this one. I thought the exorcist series started strong and just got better. Yeah. It's like it started at 10 and then went to 11 and then 11 and a half and then, you know, 12. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it it, uh, it it was strong all the way through. I you know, if you enjoy horror in any way, shape or form, I highly recommend uh, the Exorcist series. And there are moments in there that are just like, holy, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, things like, you know, don't watch it right before you go to bed because yeah. it will mess you up. And it's, um, uh, it's it is a cable show. That somehow aired on Fox. Yeah. And didn't get canceled midway through. No. You know, they, they showed all the episodes. I, it just blows my mind. I I was super satisfied with how it wound up. There was n- not a moment where I was like, well, it's kind of lame. Uh, and I, I, the one question that I had throughout the entire series was how in the world, you know, or throughout the entire season was how in the world do they make this an ongoing series if that's their choice? Mm-hmm. Um and they set it up at the end, and it didn't feel like a, a setup like, 
you know, uh, the Winchester boys. Well, now, now we got to go hunt other demons, right? It was, it was a, you know, uh, it was just a, a very organic moment at the end of the, at the end of the story was you're just like, that makes sense. And it makes sense for those characters. Yeah. Yeah. It was ex- loved it a lot. Yeah. So, uh, it, quite frankly, probably my favorite new TV series, um, of, of certainly of 2016, but it, probably in years. I mean, it was yeah. just, it was 10 episodes. And, you know, sometimes when these shows, these miniseries, like Marvel puts out a TV, you know, uh, these Netflix series and stuff like that. And I still sometimes watch them like Jessica Jones. And I'm like, God damn it. Like you could have cut this down to six episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it was only 12. It could have been six. Like, I still feel like there's filler. And I hate when there's filler in a miniseries because right. if in a miniseries format, just stick with the story. And Exorcist did. It didn't deviate. It stuck with the story. I mean, there were a couple of side stories that, but all, but they all, all wove into each yeah, other. They yeah, they all wove into yeah. each other. There was nothing that yeah. went nowhere. There was a moment where you're like, well, I don't think this story really has anything to do with that story. Oh yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it it really rewards the watching. So again, I'm not spoiling a damn thing because half the fun of that show has been, oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but super, super good show. Uh, and I got to tell you, you know, as 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 somebody who is uh, a person of faith somewhat, uh, it rewards that as well. It is respectful of, uh, of, of of folks who believe. I just I, I really enjoyed this show. I enjoyed this show a lot. If you are a fan of the original Exorcist, which I mean, uh-huh. anyone who's seen it. I don't know anyone who's seen The Exorcist, and it's like, yeah, it's okay. You know, like, if you were a fan of the original Exorcist, you owe it to yourself to watch this series. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I it agree. is fantastic. So highly recommended yep. uh, Exorcist Season 1. I think it's all available on demand right now if you have Fox, which, yeah. I mean, most folks do. Yeah. Well, uh, The Exorcist was great. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that they're doing another season, Paul. I've not heard anything about that. And there have been times where they've described it as a limited series. Yeah. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure. So it's it could just be a little series, much like a little person like Peter Dinklage. Man, you are on fire. Fire. This is what happens when you're awake, Paul. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to see Puck in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> so excited. Well, that was what I was going to talk about. So Peter Dinklage uh, was spotted, you know, he he has been cast in Avengers Infinity War, right? And he's already been, you know, Peter Dinklage was already in one of the X-Men films, uh, Days of Future Past, as a, a oh, senator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but he is he is now in the Marvel ser- uh, Cinematic Universe proper, and he has been spotted dyeing his hair red for a role in Avengers Infinity War. Well, anyone who is familiar with Jim Starlin's Infinity he's go- series. He's going to be Pip. He's going to be Pip the Troll. And, uh, oh yeah, Pip, I'd not rather, Puck. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather have him as Puck. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'll take he him has Pip. got the voice and the attitude for Puck. That would have been awesome. But I'll take him as Pip. I love Pip the Troll. Yeah, heck yeah. I think that's going to yeah. be awesome. Um, you know, I, I, I love the Jim Starlin uh, books. I mean... I should say I used to love Jim Starlin's work on, uh, you know, his Infinity Saga and Thanos and his, the well, earlier works the is what you enjoy. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, even then the stuff through the 90s, like the obviously mm-hmm. the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity War, the Infinity Crusade and and uh, Puck Pip, excuse me, Pip 
was a, a big part of the uh, Warlock and the Infinity Watch series that I really enjoyed as well. Um, and so, you, you, could, you know, since he's the only little person that seems to get work these days, you know, they're going to slap a wig on him. He's going to be Anna Marie McCone in uh, Spider-Man yeah, movie, there too. There you go. <laughs> uh, what, what this brings me hope, besides the fact that it's awesome that we're getting Pip the Troll, I mean, freaking awesome. Is well, that, you know what that means? Warlock? Yeah, Adam you Warlock. You gotta have Adam. Right? You gotta have Adam Warlock if you're gonna have Pip the Troll. If they don't have Adam Warlock, I am gonna burn the movie theater down. Well, and I thought I saw something that they had already cast her. Remember, because Adam Warlock, when 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 he first appeared, he was him, right? Yes. And so I had I had read that they had cast her, and I'm like, well, if they're gonna do her, certainly they're gonna do him, unless this is gonna be some kind of Marvel re envisioning where they do her instead of him, mm-hmm. and you have like. Adriana Warlock. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I really, I would, I would love in, in my wildest dreams. Yeah. I would have never imagined seeing Adam Warlock, Gamora and Pip the troll in the same movie. I certainly hope Jim Starlin's getting a check on all of that. I know he said he got a check for Thanos. Uh, I hope he's getting, I hope he's, I hope that son of a bitch is getting paid. I'm sure he is. I hope so. I hope so. Cause you know, I know that they don't have to. No. Right. Because of the way those contracts were written back in the day. But I, I would certainly hope he's getting something other than, you know, a T-shirt and an invitation to the uh, premiere. Yeah. A T-shirt. You know? Here's your here's your Funko Pop. Here's your here's your Thanos T-shirt drawn by someone else. <laughs> <laughs> With your art that we didn't compensate you for. <laughs> Um, so that's exciting movie news. Um, also ah. exciting that what came out this week was that the rights to the Terminator revert back to Mr. James Cameron uh, in 2019, I believe. 2018, 2019, something like that. Now, obviously, he is busy um, not directing the new Avatar movies, so he will be producing it um, and, and working on, on bringing the Terminator uh, series to its rightful conclusion. He is actually going to be uh, producing a, a a sequel and conclusion to the Terminator films. Um, and right now, Tim Miller, who uh, was one of the co-directors of the uh, Deadpool movie, or maybe he was the director of Deadpool. He was the director, yeah. Um, is, is being uh, courted to direct it. Hmm. I, I feel cautiously optimistic because I haven't enjoyed a Terminator film since Terminator 2. So there are more yeah. bad films than good films in this series. Yeah. Um, you know that it, there are very few series that have more bad films than good films. Like Saw is probably a, a good example um, of more bad films than good films. But I don't know. We'll see. With James Cameron back at the helm, we'll see. I mean, he 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 also still hasn't done Avatar two. Well, and, and nothing I mean, of value was lost. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Does does anybody really need an Avatar sequel? He seems to think so. Well, and apparently he he seems to think that we need lots of them because yeah. they're working on several of them c- concurrently. I mean, but I don't know what he means by working on them because, as far as I know, not a damn thing has begun. Maybe all pre-production work, but I mean, well, I know he I know he's got a writer's room going because yeah. uh, I've I've heard folks interviewed about that. Yeah. To put this into perspective, they have built an Avatar theme park that took less time than James Cameron took to put together Avatar Two. Like they built a freaking theme park. It opens this year. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody really needs that either. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and he still hasn't put Avatar two in front of the cameras. So yeah. I don't know. Well, 
you know, they, they still haven't put uh, Star Trek Discovery in front of the cameras, Paul. Hey, you know, but it's going to make that May premiere date, won't it? <laughs> no, it will not. Oh. It will not. We, uh, you know, we, we've, we've been tracking this because, you know, we're excited about Star Trek returning to TV. And when Paul and I were at Mission New York, we're like, there's no way they'll make that January date because they hadn't even announced a cast yet. And, of course, they pushed back the January date. Brian Fuller got his walking papers. We got a new executive producer. And uh, finally, they started announcing some cast. So, you know, we um, who's her face from The Walking Dead? I uh, can't remember the actress's name. Good old uh, what's her face. Yeah, good old what's her face. Uh, she's going to be the main character. Um, you know, we, we found out that Michelle Yao is the, is the captain. We talked about that a couple of episodes back. But uh, we heard this week that it is finally going into production but that it, it probably would not make that May date, that CBS was flexible on that. And CBS started coming out with some bullshit. And this is what cracks me up, because CBS made a big point of how important it was for uh, Star Trek Discovery to launch in January, because that's when they were going to kick off their uh, CBS All Access streaming platform. And so when they had to push that back, they needed to go with the, another original uh, piece of programming, which is, which is the... Uh, uh, the Good Wife spinoff, The Good Fight, which doesn't premiere until sometime next month. So they still had to push back that date, and they got to push it back with something that doesn't have perhaps as broad an age appeal. Um, but CBS came out and said, well, you know, it really doesn't matter. what The, the great thing about this new, new technology and new streaming media is that you can premiere these things anytime you want to. I'm like, huh, nice, nice change of story there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, we'll, we'll get it sometime before the end of the year. I'm I sure. don't, I don't even know that. I, I, I think at the earliest we're looking at October. Yeah. Well, and what cracked me? Well, it's before the end of the year, Paul. Well, I know, but I, I don't I, know if that's, you knew that or I, not. I'm not sure if you understood. <laughs> but I'm just saying that runs all the way through December. I'm just saying that it's twelve months, Paul. It's at 12 the months. earliest. I, I, I really, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh huh. Well, uh, you know, one of the things that they said the reason was not the the production schedule, right, that they were going to push it back for is because because this actress and I probably should have done some research so I could tell you her name, uh, who is on The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead will be airing at that same time. And they didn't want there to be any sort of audience confusion that, wow, how can she be in two places at the same time? What? Bullshit. Yeah, Yeah, I saw that. They're like, we didn't want to cause audience (laughs) confusion or – you haven't started filming yet. Yeah, well, and I'd like to point out that what they said earlier in 2016, like in November, December, they said, well, we're already working on the special effects stuff. You know, they're already they're already working on, you know, the the SFX scenes and all that kind of fun stuff. So all they had to do is shoot the live action stuff. And they said, yeah, well, you know, we're still we we're still working on the special effects and yada, yada. So it sounds like nothing has happened. Right. You know, they've probably done some writing, but it sounds like nothing else has happened. None of that, none of these science, none of these special effects work that they had talked about previously has actually occurred. Hmm. So it's kind of like saying, yeah, mom, I did my homework. What can you turn your homework in? Well, we, you know, the great thing about the way schools work today is you can return your homework in anytime. Anytime. You're not tied to a certain point in time. And we wouldn't want to turn it in when Jimmy turns in his homework because that might cause some teacher confusion. (laughs) (laughs) It's like saying the great thing about Knights of Rainsboro's next season is we can release it any (laughs) time. Thanks for bringing that home, Wayne. (laughs) 
Well, now you too soon, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what, Paul? Well, I mean, we're talking about Star Trek, so I'd like to hear Aaron's thoughts on Star Trek Boldly Go number four. Actually, Wayne, were you reading this book too? Yep. Uh, So this was the conclusion of the Borg storyline. So I'd really like to hear what you guys thought of how they concluded it. You want to take it, Wayne? So I have loved this book all the way up through issue three. I love this book. I had some serious issues with issue four. What were your issues? My issues were that Spock resisted assimilation just by being... Just by being Spock? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. That was ridiculous. If you're building the Borg back up to be this big bad guy, there's no reason anyone can resist assimilation, you know, a technological process just by being themselves. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, it, it, it was the Borg were having trouble reconciling his logic versus his human passions. And, uh, it, it seemed a little, it seemed a, a little questionable as to how that resolved. Yeah. I will say I enjoyed the rest of the book and I thought the artwork was great. Um, though I will say it seems rather clear to me that at the very end of the book, you know, um, the spaceship that, uh, Kirk and his crew are on is the USS Endeavor while they wait for the enterprise, the new enterprise to be built. And so, you know, he's, he is the temporary captain of this starship and his first officer, has been this Romulan who was raised in the Federation, and she became a Federation officer, a member of Starfleet. And so, at the end of the book, as they're as they're leaving Romulus, you know, Romulus says, "Well, you know, y'all can go, but we're got to keep her because uh, she, uh, you know, her families were traitors, and Romulan law has that the sins of the parents fall on the child, so she's got got to stay." And so there's some hemming and hawing from Kirk, and she's like, no, this is my duty. I'll do it. I knew that this was going to happen and yada, yada. But it seems very clear to me that she's a spy, that she was a mole, and she's been reporting for for, for the Romulans because that just – number one, we've seen that in Star Trek before. And uh, I, I just – I'm just like this, this is going to happen again, and we're going to find out that you know she's some lieutenant commander or whatever in the, in the uh, Tal Shiar. Yeah, I mean – it's ridiculous that Starfleet would well, I mean, in this case it's just Kirk, and that that doesn't surprise me so much, but yeah. that they would give up somebody who has been has that level of knowledge and security right. clearance. Yeah, she knows she knows she knows all about, you know, uh Star- Starfleet tactics and, and uh defenses and yada yada. And you know, I, like I said, she's a sub commander in the uh Tal Shiar. So yeah, I, I, the book did not end as strong. I, I still like it. I think it still reads really well together. But the resolution with Spock was uh, was uh, not something that that I that I really thought was well done. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I also did thought. Read- I mean, quite frankly, I thought it was a little too easy to take out the Borg as well. Well, and they, they set it up for more Borg, but yeah, it should have been more skinnier teeth. And you know, the fact that. Um, that the Endeavor did not get more beat up. Now, of course, they were only chasing a sphere. They didn't make it a full cube. True. Because, you know, remember the cube, uh, you know, nearly took out the Enterprise-D uh, in, in that first episode, right? You know, a single cube almost took them out. Um, and only Q was able to save them. Now, this was a sphere, and they're, they're you know, not nearly as powerful as a cube, but Yeah, there still. is precedent for the spheres being destroyed, but... Right, yeah. 
no, I hear you. I hear you. So anyway, uh, that happened. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I also read Star Trek Waypoint, and I think I'm the only one who did. Yes, sir. Uh, this is Star Trek Waypoint number three. This is the anthology series that comes out from IDW telling Star Trek stories from across the continuum. And this one featured a story set uh, in uh, uh, with the Voyager crew and one set with the Deep Space Nine crew. And I got to tell you, both of these stories had a tremendous amount of heart. Um, the... Voyager story was told from the perspective of Naomi Wildman. Naomi Wildman was the little girl who was born on the ship during the, during the uh, show. And uh, it is her make, making a comic book about the crew and creating an adventure. And it's all just sort of a, a child story. And it was great. I mean, I got a big kick out of it. It was uh, her drawing the uh, the the Voyager crew from her perspective and and characterizing them from her perspective, and it was fantastic. Thoroughly enjoyed it. The Deep Space Nine story focused on uh, Major Akira, and it was just telling uh, a Bajoran folktale and what it means to her. And again, lots of heart in both of these stories. And, you know, neither one of them are, are big dramatic stories, but both of them just, you know, explore a little bit about the characters. And I, just, I thought they were both just charming and uh, very entertaining. Loved it a lot. So, Paul. Yes, sir. Tim, Wayne, did you see that uh, they have come out with a Bluetooth Star Trek The Next Generation Bluetooth com badge? I heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Well, it is available for sale right now. You can get it at ThinkGeek for $79.99. And uh, you can answer all your calls with the word go. Really? Yeah. It's kind of sweet. Um, Yeah. And it's cool looking, um, you know, if if you go that way. Um, I, you know, I I have the original series Bluetooth communicator which is wild and awesome, and I use it all the time. Uh, you know, for instance, I think you can hear it. See, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can hear it. But, but yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I absolutely love my my original series communicator. But, I, you know, I think one of my things about this is that this, this communicator charges, the next generation uh, Bluetooth communicator charges with a mini USB. And, you know, you never saw that in the show. <laughs> you never saw Commander Riker have to go. Hold on, I, I got to charge my com badge. You know, uh, my my original series uh, Bluetooth communicator charges on one of those magnetic bases, right? And so I don't have to plug anything into it. I just set it on the base and it charges. Nice. So, yeah. So Aaron, how does this one work? Because it's just a tap. Does that just answer the phone and hang it up? Correct. You can also use it to activate, like if you're using an iPhone Siri. So you could say, Siri, call, you know, Paul. And, you know, it would call Paul, right? So you, you don't have any buttons to push. So if you need to punch a button, you're going to have to pull out your phone and punch a button. Uh, you, know, like, you know, if you have to dial in a code or something. But the, you can use it to activate the, the voice commands on your phone. Hmm. So, so it's kind of cool. Are you, are you picking it up? No. No, I, I, you know, I, 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 this is one of those things I honestly don't see me ever using it. So, uh, no, I'm, I, but I love the hell out of my original series communicator. I like it that it flips open, you know, which is the same reason that Tim's still got a flip phone. Yeah. yeah. He likes that it flips open. Mine, mine, mine is an original series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, but you know, it's out there, and I, you know, I know, I know, you know, the original series is is my Star Trek, right? And for many people out there, Next Generation is their Star Trek. So I think that's going to scratch their itch. Hmm. Yeah, if I were to choose between them, I would get the Next Gen for the exact reason you said. It's my Star Trek. It's not my favorite series, but it's what I grew up with. Right. Right. Well, you know, I, there, there's something about, you know, pulling the communicator out of your pocket and flipping it open, you know, and you know, that 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 chirp that it makes. I love that. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. I, I remember back when I had a flip phone. That was what I thought of every time I flipped it open. Uh huh. Your star. Tag. That's what Tim. Think, that's what that's what Tim thinks about every time he flips his open. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to break out the knife. Any second, man. No, I, I earned this. I'm I'm good. <laughs> Sometimes, Paul, you just got to own your own the reason they're making fun of you. Take no. It's true. No, no, I can't. I refuse. <laughs> All right, so I am woefully behind on uh, Justice League versus Suicide Squad. I am like three issues back. It's hard when they're weekly books, Paul. Yeah, I, I get it. That's why I kind of dropped off of Injustice a while back. Um, well, I'm, I'm still trying to finish that series. I've, I've got all those books, but I, I haven't finished it yet. Well, I yeah, Injustice, I, I switched to trades for because it just it was too overwhelming. <laughs> but I will tell you, in the case of Justice League versus Suicide Squad, you're not missing much. Series sucks. The series sucks. Really? <laughs> should I stop? Should I stop buying them, Paul? <laughs> I mean, there's only one more issue after this week's number five, so. If you've been purchasing them, <laughs> you might as well get the last issue. Yeah, um, the last issue. Okay. I mean, so the art's been fine. You know, they, they change the artist with every issue. So it, it's it's been inconsistent. Because when you start with Jason Fabok level art and, and proceed with any other artist, it's just not as good. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how much you want me to spoil of this, Aaron. Uh, it's up to you, Paul. I mean, I, you know, it's it's not a series that's near and dear to my heart. So it's not like you're damn it, Paul. You know, yeah. well, so it, go is, ahead. it has been revealed that the main villain of the piece is not, in fact, Max Lord, but Eclipso. Um, and so, you know, the Justice League has been possessed by Eclipso and Batman has to team up with the Suicide Squad to take them down. E- Eclipso is literally one of my f- least favorite villains. Yeah. I kind of hate Eclipso. Yeah. So it, it's it's a story we've seen before, right? That Batman has to team up with someone to take on an evil Justice League. It's genuine. It, it started strong enough um, in that first issue, but... It's just gotten weaker. Uh, and once Eclipso came in, I was like, oh, God, I'm just not interested anymore. Because um, every time I see I see Eclipso, all you're going to get is the superheroes gone evil storyline. That's that's right. the only move they have once Eclipso comes into a story. Right. And um, that's what we got here. And so Batman has teamed yeah. up with the members of the new JLA and members of the Suicide Squad to take down the Justice League. Um I, I there's only one more issue, but yeah, this this has been weak. And in addition to that, I don't exactly see how it is furthering the rebirth storyline, which they said it would. Um, you know, they they said this was the next step in the whole rebirth saga. So I'm very curious to hear or see, I guess, if that you know comes into play in the sixth issue because it hasn't so far. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. So sadly, not that great. That's too bad. Yeah, I'm bummed about it because I was, you know, I was really looking forward to the series. Uh, you know, DC's been been firing on on most cylinders lately, uh, but I think this was a bit of a misfire. Look at that analogy; that worked well. <laughs> but you know, there was another crossover book out uh, from DC. I think it was last week, and it was it not only crossed superhero teams, it crossed universes. Aaron, universes. It- 
And this so is also a callback to Tim. Sometimes you have to own what they're making fun of you for. So it's Justice yep. League versus the Avengers. Ah, I wish. <laughs> Especially since the writer of this book is Tom Taylor of Injustice fame. Yeah, oh, right. it's ba- it's Batman and Ninja Turtles. Uh, th- we already have that. Oh. And that is a good book as well. Uh, and so, well, it, 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 hold on on the old as well nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Justice League versus Mighty Morphin Power or no, I shouldn't say versus Justice League slash My, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came out last week, written by um, Tom Taylor, art by Stephen Byrne. And, you know, I am I am not a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers film or fan. You know, that was more my brother than me. Uh, but I have to say, Wayne, I, I actually enjoyed issue one quite a bit. Yeah, I I had to keep in mind this is an alternate universe, so there was a continuity issue that bothered me. But other than that, I really enjoyed it, and I liked the interplay between the characters. The fact that Batman can basically take on all of them because I he's just, Batman. I just want you to get into the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers continuity wank. Please do it so Aaron can pass me the scotch. <laughs> Okay, the issue I had with it was they have their original Zords. Yeah. Lord Zed is there. They have their swords. Oh, Zords. Megazords. Yep. But Lord Zed wasn't with the original Megazords. Right. When Lord Zed showed up, first thing he did was take out their Zords, and Zordon had to give them the Thunder Power Zords. (laughs) So the fact that, you know, Kimberly is able to call out the uh, original Pterodactyl Zord to take on the Batmobile, that shouldn't be it should be the firebird but it's an alternate reality so i can accept the continuity issue even though it bothers me because they've been you're welcome america oh my god in the regular power rangers book they've been so good with continuity that it bothers me the crossover had that minor little issue well that was also and that's also written by tom taylor so not entirely (laughs) listening to the laughing oh my god uh, <laughs> should I mute? I should probably mute. <laughs> no, like I said, you got to own what you're uh, being made fun of for. But you, you know, this is a very Zach heavy book. Um, just putting it, it is. out there. Like it, it, this is Zach meets the Justice. Well, Zach meets Batman is basically uh, what happened in this book. I, I hate to ask this question. Who is Zach? You you don't hate to ask this question. <laughs> He's the Black He's Ranger. The, yeah. Also okay. the black guy. Yep. And the least the least interesting of the original Rangers. Because <laughs> all the rest of them are so deep. <laughs> Aaron, his his fighting method that he developed himself is called Zach Fu. It's a combination of dancing and kung fu. <laughs> so it's kind of a little electric boogaloo thing he's got going on. Yeah. It's like Shaq Fu. Uh-huh. For Christ's sake, at least they got his sword right. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Got> a <the> sword. <laughs> All right, I'm muted. <laughs> uh, oh, there are tears coming up my eyes. Oh, this is great. <laughs> no, so, I, I got to say, I, I actually like the issue, Wayne, and I will read issue two. Thank you. I I really enjoyed it. I mean, like I said, I have a lot of Power Rangers nostalgia because of when you know I grew up right around the time it was hitting. Right around the time where I watched the show entirely because the Pink Ranger was hot. So there is a lot of nostalgia there for me. And I I enjoyed seeing 
this like the writing in the Power Rangers book has been really good. I think the writing in this book is really good. The continuity issue, yes, it bothered me, but let's face it, who else besides me is going to catch that? Everyone who's reading this book for the Power Rangers will catch that. I mean, it's it's a it's you know Power Rangers. If you're reading this, it would be like you know if they threw Superman in his new Fifty Two suit, but Batman in his old suit for Justice League fans. So it's it is it is a glaring continuity error. Just you know, for for you guys, for you people, <laughs> yeah. But you didn't notice it at all, I'm sure. No, no, I don't give a shit. Exactly. Even have even having it pointed out to me, I I, I still have have no fucks. <laughs> none to give, Paul. None you got give. none in your bag there. No, oh. no, I just looked. None. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you need to go to Costco. <laughs> you need some more fucks, Paul. I need a case. <laughs> the big economy size. They did something in the book that I always love, and that's Flash showing up and just taking the weapons out of everyone's hands. Yeah, it's it's a fun... I mean, Tom Taylor is a good writer. Um, and the art by Stephen Byrne is also really solid. So if you are a fan of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or are familiar with them, because you're not going to really get much of an introduction to who they are in this book. They, this kind of assumes you know who both parties are. Oh, dear. Yeah, oh, dear. there's no intros. <laughs> Tom, Tom, we got a book we need you to write. All right, hit me. Well, it's the Justice League. Oh, that's fantastic. And we're adding a group. Okay, let's hear it. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need to have a lot of alcohol for this. All right. Yeah. No, he is the writer of the regular series, so I'm sure he was probably excited about the chance to do a crossover. Oh, is he? Okay. It's all that cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about another book set in the multiverse. Superman number 15 came out this week, the second part of uh, this multiplicity storyline, where Superman has teamed up with Superman from alternate rea- from alternate universes to take on so- uh, a villain who is murdering the different world's Superman. And Aaron? I love this book, Paul. You know, it, I love it, this book a lot. It is. It follows up to really the only good story that came out of Final Crisis. Yeah. Um, which was the Superman Beyond 3D two issue book in which he's in the Ultima Thule with the League of Supermen traveling the multiverse. Uh, I fucking love that book. Uh, I own it both in print. I own it digitally. Love that book. Um, and this this very much has that feel. And, I, you know, I love seeing all the different alternate universe supermen fighting against each other, fighting for each other. Uh, I dug this book. It was just so much fun. I I, I will say I really enjoyed the book. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and to your point, yes, it, it comes out of the the best parts of Final Crisis. Uh, the only good part of the Final only, Crisis. Yeah, the only good part of Final <laughs> Crisis. Yeah. Uh, I wish the and, art was a little more consistent because there were like mm-hmm. four different artists on this most recent issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, a, I mean, but again, they're, they're getting books out on time, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Where, what, where it struck me is just how similar some of the story is to Secret Wars or the build up mm-hmm. to Secret Wars. You know, right. the oh, I, I was thinking Spider-Verse. Yeah, or Spider-Verse, which, you know, it's like, hmm, I've seen this story twice before where someone's going to different universes and either destroying the universe because they destroy that planet's Earth or destroying, you know, that planet's Spider-Man type thing. Very similar. But I mean, not as not as epic and not as in a long form, but similar stories. Yeah, I enjoy this alternate Justice League 
that's made up of people from all the different universes. Mm-hmm. The uh, Aqua Woman is really cool looking from appearance standpoint. Haven't seen Mary Marvel in a long time, and I've always kind of liked that character. Well, and I always like it when they draw Mary Marvel hot. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, they, she has to be drawn hot, right? Yeah, because she she's designed as such an innocent character, but you know, she uh, she's kind of hot here. So yeah, but no, I, I like the the alternate Justice League as well. Um, I you know I get it. I got a real kick out of the demon Superman. You know, I don't think that I've seen Etrigan Superman before. And, right. and uh, I thought that was cool. I thought, yeah, I thought that was that was certainly very interesting. Um, I was surprised by the villain that showed up at the end because I really thought with all the blue text that this was going to tie into Dr. Manhattan. I and thought so too. And the blue, like maybe I, I, I was kind of surprised that they showed this random new villain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I, I'm hopeful that maybe we'll we'll get something you know something else will happen and we'll realize that oh it's Doctor Manhattan as well or he's the main villain or something. Yeah. So I, I dug it. I thought this was very entertaining. I did too. Um, so yeah. I'm looking forward to to. I think this storyline is working much better than the previous storyline with uh, Frankenstein. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like the Frankenstein story at all, but I did kind of enjoy the end of it. I thought it wrapped up well. Yeah. Well, also from DC Comics this week, we had Batman number 15, written by um, Tom King with art by Mitch Gerards. Uh, and it features uh, a lot of Batman on Catwoman sex and, and naked nakedness. And on top uh-huh. of that, <clears throat> two, well, one, two very in, in interesting things for me, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Which is one, Batman tells Catwoman he loves her. Mm-hmm. Like they tell each other they love each other. Right. And two, their differing viewpoints of how they first met. And I thought that was beautifully done. Yeah. You know, taking the original Bob Kane era Batman Catwoman, you know, first meeting and tying it into the uh, Frank Miller Batman year one uh, first meeting. Yeah. I thought I thought those were beautifully tied together. I did too. I thought it, you know, I, I don't know if it was just how they're remembering it or if they're trying to play into this whole multiverse time is screwed up type thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But regardless, I thought it was extremely well done. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is it seems like we have instantly forgotten that a couple of months ago, James Gordon was uh, Batman. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no reference to that at all. There's no reference to it. He's not in shape. He's yeah. just, you know, he, he he smokes. I mean, he he's like he's back to being James Gordon pre Batman. It's like, dude, he was just like in shape, shaved head, Batman yeah. suit a couple months back. Yeah. Um, and Tom King, I mean, he he is. I I don't remember if he's a protege of Scott Snyder or someone Scott Snyder knew, but I, I'm just surprised that there is no reference to it whatsoever. Yeah. And the way the storyline wraps up, I thought was beautifully told. I I liked. Just about everything in this book, Paul. I thought I thought that it was a really kind of a lovely book and really an interesting way to bring um, that Batman Year One story into this Batman's uh, history, particularly furthering the development of that character, Holly. You know, which was the young woman that um, you know the younger Selina was defending. You yes. know, uh, and I thought that was super interesting. But the one thing that drives me crazy about this is that she calls him Bat. Yeah, and he calls her Cat. Like, where did that shit come from? I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. 
I don't like it one little bit. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Every time she does it. And it doesn't – him calling her cat doesn't bother me near as much as her calling him bat. And it just bugs the tar out of me. But I, I, I do like how sentimental the book is. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how vulnerable Batman is with her. Uh, and I, and I, I really like the button they put on the end of the book. I do too. You know, I, I do wish that maybe they had gone back to his place for the sex instead of just having it on a rooftop. Well, but doesn't that seem very uh, All Star Batman though? It does. It does. And that's because I mean, that was All Star Batman. Too, that know? was All Star Batman, right? Uh, the sex on the rooftop. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because that was when he was doing his goddamn Batman thing. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and so, and so, I think the reason why they did it was to kind of tie these disparate elements together mm-hmm. that have kind of happened in you know other realities and you know showing that all these things come together uh just like batman and catwoman um but uh i i i did really enjoy how vulnerable he was throughout the book and how desperate he was to save her i mean i just it was really well told really well told and you know they there is a uh manner in which the story is told visually which really brings me back to the year one book where it's just, you know, static nine panels on the page, you know, and I thought that was a nice touch. And I, I one of the things I really enjoyed is the the bottom four panels of Batman in the Batcave where he's it's just tearing him up, you know, what happens in the book. And I just I just thought it was very effective. So I, I think both the narrative and the visual storytelling uh, worked so well together in this book. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, uh, it it shows a vulnerable side of Batman that we don't see often portrayed. Right. And Tom King seems but, to have been, he seems to have tapped into that between his sentimentality towards Gotham and Gotham Girl and that first storyline where he's, uh, the first issue where he's, um, you know, asking Alfred if his parents would be proud of him, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, let's talk about what wasn't so good about this book, though, Paul. What's that? The variant cover. The oh. Tim Sale and Brennan Wagner uh, variant cover. You mean the one where Batman has three hands? Yeah, well, and it's it's just terrible. Yeah. It's just terrible. Oh, no, wait. I'm thinking of the previous issue. Batman number 14 is when he has three hands. No, he, this is the one where he's just flying across Gotham, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty it It's pretty, like. pretty poor looking. Yeah, it's just terrible. Uh, and not that the main cover is that much better, for instance, but the the variant cover is just terrible. And that's, you know, th- those stand out to me because these Rebirth covers have been so good. Yeah, agreed. And so is the, and the Tim Sale stuff has been pretty solid. So I don't know if this yeah. was a rush job or what. Yeah. So actually, before we move on, uh, and since we're not going to really, uh, since I haven't looked up what comes out next week, I do want to mention something that is at the back of most DC books this week, or, and was, la- or I guess it was last week, which is next week, Aaron. Next week. Oh, yeah, the Commandy Challenge, issue one. Don't get sucked in and buy that book that came out this week that's $7.99. Don't do it. Paul almost did it. I almost did don't it. Don't do it. Yeah, Paul's like, Aaron, Commandy number one's out. And I'm like, <laughs> don't buy it. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. It's reprints. Don't buy it. <laughs> I would have got sucked in if it wasn't for the price. Yeah, no, next week. Because and, and it's Commandy. It has Commandy on the cover. Of course I've right. got to get the $7.99. No. No, but next yeah, well, week's issue is $4.99. Um, not seven ninety nine, but much. But it is a really big book. Yeah. So you know, it's it's the four ninety nine price is a little bit more warranted in that I think it's like fifty one pages. And it's Dan Abnett 
and Dale Eaglesham are the uh, are, yeah. t- are are the team on Commandy Challenge number one. January twenty fifth. Fuck yes. Yeah, they should put that on the yeah. cover. Put that on the cover of issue two. <laughs> Fuck yes. Ideology <laughs> of madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm super excited about it, Paul. And I'm glad that I was able to stop you from making a horrible, horrible mistake. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 Not that those reprints are, are bad, but, you know, no, they I mean, do have books. those. They do have those same reprints on sale for 99 cents from time to time. So, you know, <laughs> the seven ninety nine book is just just stinking ridiculous. Uh, agreed. I mean, you can get a lot more for that same price. Absolutely. Like you could get the Mighty Thor. Yeah, right? you should get the newest issue of the Mighty Thor, which is the beginning of the Asgard Shi'ar War. And I am the only one who read it, um, but it is a good jumping on point. In fact, it even says it even has a number one at the top of the book, but it is, in fact, issue 15 of the Mighty Thor. Um, and so this is the Asgard Shi'ar War Part 1. And uh, basically, this is the Shi'ar uh, invading Asgard. That's what happens in this first issue, and it is badass. Um, You see characters uh, like Gladiator and Kid Gladiator, who I haven't seen in in forever. Um, So I was super excited to see Kid Gladiator and Warbird back from Wolverine and the X-Men, also written by Jason Aaron. You see Smasher from uh, Jason, I mean, um, Hickman, Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run. Um, and, and and just big ass battle uh, uh, in Asgard, and one of the, my favorite things about it is the art by Russell Dodderman, who has a very Jeff Darrow sensibility to his art, uh, which is ultra detailed, lots of destruction. You see every brick falling out of a building, um, so just extremely beautiful book, and I. I I can't recommend it enough. I know I'm speaking to people who won't be reading this book because of uh, yeah. it's it's not <clears throat> Thor Odinson. But I will say that uh, at the end of the book, they do have an ad for the unworthy Thor, um, which features Odinson's battle with Thanos's Black Order. So I am so on board with that with that book. So Mighty Thor, Asgard Shi'ar War. I recommend picking it up if you like good things. <laughs> And well, if you like bad things, Wayne is here with yeah. your clone conspiracy update. Yep. So I've been reading all of the I've been reading the regular tie-ins as well as the main clone conspiracy book. Mostly be, at this point because Ben Riley is kind of sort of back. I found that I'm enjoying the actual Spider-Man books. Not the crossover itself, but the Spider-Man tie-ins with the crossover a lot more than the actual crossover event. So the way they've been doing it is there's always a big reveal in one of the, you know, in the main books, in the crossover book. And then the Spider-Man book will tell the story of how that came to be. So the first one they did was the the big, you know, reveal that Spider-Gwen had replaced Gwen and so that book told the story of how Kane had – where he had been, how he's back, and how they did that replacement. Then they did the reveal of Ben Riley. So the second you know, tie-in book was the story of how Ben Riley had gotten to that point. And basically his mind was broken. Miles Warren cloned him from the dust, brought him back, and killed him over and over and over again to test – basically Spider-Man's uh, abilities and <clears throat> basically just be the typical villain. 
so his mind kind of broke because he remembers every single death, like 30 of them, before he broke out and took over. So that all that leads up to this last issue of Clone Conspiracy that came out where they've they're trying to get you to believe that Peter is going to be on board with Ben on cloning Uncle Ben. And I have to say the book isn't wasn't good, but there was one moment that I just utterly cheered for and it made the entire book. Everything falls apart for Ben because he suggests cloning a full-size body for Anna Marie Marcone. <laughs> she loses it on him and so does Doc Ock. And Everything, the entire plan completely falls apart on him because he suggested that she is imperfect and that he could cure her of her shortness. Oh, dear. I absolutely love that moment, that reaction to it, the fact that that's what costs him his entire plan and that everything is falling apart because he was egotistical enough to suggest a cloned body for Anna Marie. Because Anna Marie is still one of my favorite supporting Spider-Man characters. Oh, yeah. And she's dealing with the fact that she feels utterly betrayed by Doc Ock. She still finds his brain very attractive, but wants nothing to do with him. And so she's got this kind of inner struggle of, you know, I know who he is. I want nothing to do with him, but damn, he's smart. And the character is just so well done. And just that the idea of, uh, you know, she just completely loses it on Ben at the very idea of giving her a full-size body. That alone made me enjoy the book, even though I said the crossover hasn't been good. The tie-in pieces have been interesting, and I have no idea how they're going to end up with a Ben Riley book out of this when it's over, because he is the villain at this point, and his mind is broken. Mm. So I don't recommend it to anybody, but I'm still going to keep reading it. Because I'm a glutton for clones. <laughs> well, while I was not, I was not interested in said book. It did get me thinking back to the good old Doc Ock Spider-Man days. Yeah, and there's a lot of tie into that, as you know, Doc remembers all of that, and you have Anna Marie there, and you have uh, Kane, and they have the you know, it's it really harkens back to some good stories. It's just not one itself. I was gonna say. <laughs> Remember these Spider-Man books that were good? Yeah, we do too. But we can't write those anymore. Yeah, I mean, the current issue is Spider-Man and Gwen having a conversation. And that is the entire issue is talk between the two. And it is really good interactions. You know, it's just, it's sad that those fleshing out those moments that happen between the panels and the story are better than the actual story. Well, we come up on the on the on the last part, uh, last book on the podcast today, and uh, it's all me. So uh, you know, I've been hanging out, uh, laughing about Power Rangers and uh, how big a nerd Wayne is, and I bought a Dungeons and Dragons comic book. So uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, what the one I got was called Dungeons and Dragons Frost Giants Fury by IDW, and it was written by Jim Zub. Um. The apparently the adventuring party in question was it has been in a couple of other series, um, most notably uh, Shadows of the Vampire, which I certainly didn't get because, as most D&D players know, Ravenloft is terrible, and I probably don't want to read about Ravenloft. 
Um, that said, uh, I enjoyed this book. Now, it was not a um, and and uh, I think Aaron can back me up on this. It wasn't a John Rogers D and D book. Oh. Um, because John Rogers wrote the the best Dungeons and Dragons comic book series from IDW. Uh, God, we got to be going on four years ago now, Aaron. It's a while, but it mixed the it mixed the uh, the laughters uh, that you would that you would get at a at a D and D table with with nonstop action. It was really good, and this book, um, it's got it's got it's it's well drawn, and it's well written. It just doesn't have that. It doesn't have that humor. It doesn't have that. That's that. That thing that brought me into, uh, you know, the last big series that I read. Um, but it does have a whole bunch of uh, lead up to this. The uh, what it says on the cover: Frost Giants. And I can tell you that that's a really big hook because, you, you know, the books, some of the books I loved in Thor were for him dealing with giants. And some of the things in D&D that I loved were dealing with giants, dealing with things that were, you know, three times as, as big as you and coming out on top. So I am sort of interested in this book. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up number two. Um, but I would say that um, – Although it's a good book, it is not a great book. Well, uh, so, you, so you're 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 staying in. I'm staying in. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Paul's not going to talk to us about what's coming out next week, apparently. But I will tell you that you ought to go over to Battleshock.net to uh, take a listen to the latest podcast there. Uh, that podcast will have some familiar voices if you're a, a fan of this podcast and other things that we've done. Uh, our, our good friend Andrew of Knights of Rainsboro fame does some voicing on some audio fiction over there. So check it out, battleshock.net. And uh, guys, I want you to go out and have a fantastic week. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.